everybody getting ready for their summer vacation plans? Some people maybe already are on summer vacation watching this online, but anybody out there going camping this summer? Any campers out there? Anyone who enjoys camping? <laughs> okay, maybe a few more of those. How many people hate camping? Like it's the, you can't, okay, that's, yeah, what's, we'll pray for your salvation. And um, no, I, I actually really love camping, but some people just out, or outdoors people. I remember as a kid, growing up and going camping with my family and just the whole experience. It was really fun. And some of you, like in the, your 20s and 30s, you love going out with friends right now and just hanging out by the campfire in the middle of the wilderness, sitting around, enjoying your time, sharing stories with one another. And we always had these kind of weird stories. Growing up as a kid, we would tell to each other. Remember ghost stories? And the thing was, we're not here to talk about ghosts, but you would, there was this tradition that would happen. <laughs> we're like normal stories. All of a sudden got much creepier. We could say the most normal thing, like Ryan Allwert was once in the band Straight No Chaser and sold two million albums. And he married his wife, Lauren, and they had two children. And it always took a turn for a worse at some point. And those two children got very angry because they weren't given enough fruit snacks. And so they took a toaster and they stuck their dad's hand in the toaster. And to this day, Ryan Allward eats his cereal with a hook for a hand. And that was all the end of the story. You remember those? And it was like, that was the creepiest, weirdest thing. I don't know why you just told me that strange story. Here's the thing. We, we entitled this four-week teaching series called Ghost Stories, kind of playing off the Holy Ghost, talking about what the Holy Spirit looks like in our lives, that we need more Holy Spirit stories in our society today. But I can't say that this is you. I grew up around Christianity, but talking about the Holy Spirit was as weird and cheesy and creepy as what I just did over here. And for too many of us, when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of this kind of weird, strange part of God. It's kind of a cousin Eddie of the, <laughs> the God family. And we don't really know how to make sense of it, even though that the, the doctrine of the Trinity that we believe that is through scripture and is through Christian tradition, that the God is one God, almighty, powerful, that created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, but he's in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And the Father always made sense to me because I had a good relationship with my dad. And then Jesus made sense to me because we had a picture of him on the church wall <laughs> that I grew up in. It was a bad picture, but we kind of made sense to me. But the Holy Spirit, I never totally got. And look, you may have grown up in a church like I'm about to describe. I'm not speaking poorly of these churches, but I didn't understand it and it didn't make any sense to me where people who I knew that were filled with the Holy Ghost, they always, you know, they played instruments. I didn't know how to play, particularly the tambourine. They were very good with the tambourine. And some of you grew up, come on now, that you could worship the Lord with the flag like no one else, baby. The tambourines, the flag, I just watched it. I was like, I don't understand it. I didn't get it. Maybe that was you. Maybe you're judgmental like I am and you didn't understand it either. It was just kind of this weird thing. And I never totally made sense of it. And yet 
we know that the Trinity, God is one, but he is in three persons, and we try to use analogies like H2O to describe that, that there is you know, the solid state, the liquid state, and the gaseous state, and yet that's also a heresy known as modalism, and pretty much every analogy you ever come up with for the Trinity is some heresy from 15 to 2,000 years ago that you can't say, and we try and make sense of it, but it is one, he is one God in three persons. And one of those three persons is the Holy Spirit. And there are over 800 verses in the Old and New Testament about the Holy Spirit. That's how important and clear it was in the Bible. In fact, in the creation story itself, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the second verse of the Bible says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit was there in the creation. By the way, the word God in Hebrew in the Old Testament is Elohim. And Elohim is actually a plural form of El. And so it is literally God and three persons in the Old Testament. Even then, it says, let us make man in our image. And so there is the Holy Spirit is all the way back in the second verse of the book of Genesis. The word for spirit in Hebrew is ruach and it means wind, breath, a violent exhalation, blast of breath. That ghost and and even spirit don't totally do justice to what the Holy Spirit is. It's a reference to the breath of God, the, the wind in your sails, so to speak that empowers us as Christians and was there to empower the creation of the world itself. The New Testament Greek word isn't much different in its definition. It's pneuma, there's a silent P, a current of air, blast of breath, a strong breeze or spirit. It's the reference to the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the blast, the current of air behind our back that empowers us. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? In John 14, come on now, because in John 14, verse 15, Jesus has spent the last 14 verses talking about what heaven is going to be like and how his father's going to add a room on to his house that you can go there to. And after he describes that, he then turns to what we do now in this lifetime. And in verse 15, he says this, that if you love me, Jesus says, keep my commands. That if you love Jesus, you will keep his commands. Anybody struggling (laughs) keeping Jesus' commands in your life? You liars, you have. Uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, We all struggle at times. Temptation is very real in our lifetime. We are prey to pride and and lust of the eyes and the flesh. Pride of life. It's clear throughout scripture that each of us are going to be tempted to live in particular sinful ways. And we'll describe that here in a moment. But if you love me, keep my commands. And here's how you can keep his commands, he says. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Underline, circle, verse 16, the word advocate there. We're going to come back to that after we pray and define that a little more. But it's talking about the Holy Spirit in this verse. It says, uh, to help you and be with you forever, verse 17. The Spirit of truth, again, the Holy Spirit is the advocate. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him. Says so they're not going to make sense of it. It's going to be weird because God's supernatural. He's not natural. He created everything. He created the natural order. He is supernatural and his spirit is supernatural. You cannot control him. People won't be able to make sense of him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. He says it will be in you. 
because he's referring when he ascends to the right hand of the Father after he's about to go later here in John uh, 17, 18, and 19, he's going to go to the cross. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be resurrected from the grave. And we know in the, the book of Acts, he's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father. That Jesus will be crucified on the Passover. And that 50 days after the Passover was the day of Pentecost, the day that the church was meeting in a home and the Holy Spirit was gifted to Christians. You may not be aware of that, and that at that moment, they were most likely, they were there in that room because they were celebrating this festival they had been celebrating for thousands of years called the Festival of Weeks that was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. And the Festival of Weeks was all about God's spiritual and physical provision for that year that he would bring rain so they could have crops and he would take care of them. And in that moment, after generations upon generations of celebrating this particular festival, he brought spiritual provision once and for all with the gifting of the advocate, the Holy Spirit, given to Christians. It was no mistake they were meeting in that home that day. They were celebrating the festival of weeks. So they're given the Holy Spirit at that moment. And it says in, that, in uh, verse 17 that he lives with you and will be in you. Do you remember where did the Spirit of God reside on earth before Jesus' crucifixion. It was in the most holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was kept and there was a curtain that separated the most holy of holies from any of the Jewish community. And when Jesus is crucified and gives up his spirit in the Gospel of Matthew, that temple curtain is torn in two, symbolizing that the Spirit of God no longer resides in a building. But instead, now where does the New Testament teach us the Spirit of God is? That your body, if you're a Christian, have received Christ and invite the Holy Spirit in, your body is now a temple of the Holy Spirit. It lives in you, just as Jesus said it would in John 14, before the day of Pentecost has even occurred. He goes on in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. He says, I know this world is difficult, I'm not just going to leave you, I'm going to come back, and until I come back, I'm giving you the advocate. It's what's going to empower you, it's going to be the breath of God, the wind behind your back, to face whatever it is that you're facing. So when Ryan gets up here and leads worship and doesn't want to because he just lost two family members in three days, the Spirit of God can see him through that moment. That's why in Romans 8, 26, it says that the Spirit of God sometimes groans for us. When you can't utter a word, you're at your lowest of your lows, the Spirit of God can groan for you. As we'll see later, he is your comforter. Look down to verse 23, because it goes on. He doesn't stop there. He talks about why the Holy Spirit is given to us. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my, my teaching, which we just said we all fail. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. By the way, we don't be obedient to his commands so that we can go to heaven when we die. That's not what that said. We are, have salvation through grace alone, through faith alone, because of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus that paid the price for our mistakes that anybody can draw near to God if we believe and receive his forgiveness in our life and repent of the sin and junk in our lives and turn to him in humility. But the way we love him back, it says, we love him back because he first loved us is to be obedient, but we all fail at that. So here's what he says, verse 24, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. Then verse 25, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, again, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. It says, in this dark, fallen world, 
you're going to forget the things that I have said to you. And so I'm leaving you with the advocate, the Holy Spirit, so that you will remember it. And you're going to need it. And you know what it's like in this dark world where everyone is angry and people type with all caps in their social media posts. And we choose political sides and there are threats of nuclear war and there's fascism and racism and sexism and all kinds of other isms. And we just are really all angry and violent. There's shootings in our schools and we see it in our society and our culture. And what Jesus is telling the Christians is, that is going to happen and I'm leaving you with a peace that surpasses understanding because the Holy Spirit is alive in you and I don't want those things to happen and here's why they will happen. Look, verse 28, you heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe because verse 30, I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. Who is the prince of this world? It's talking about in Hebrew, the Hasatan, the adversary, Satan, the New Testament, the devil. It's talking about the spiritual battle that humanity finds itself in and that it's going to tempt us, draw us away, get us angry with one another, violent with one another, hurting one another. And the solution in a dark world to be a light in the darkness is that he's left us with the Holy Spirit so that we could be empowered to live differently. That's how important this, this is. That's why I believe this four weeks together could be transformative for our church. It's kind of a controversial thing to even bring up in church because we have questions about the spiritual gifts and we, yeah, we're going to talk about that the last week of the series, so don't miss that. And that should be a lot of fun. But this entire series, I believe, could be transformative for our church that sometimes I think we get ahead of ourselves and think the, the real thing the Holy Spirit does is just these signs and wonders and we need to hurry up and get to that and teach on that. However, Jesus actually said it was a perverse generation that needed signs and wonders. And 1 Corinthians 13 says the greatest of these is actually love and that when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're going to demonstrate love to one another. By the way, love is not just grace. It is both grace and truth, that the two together are truly loving one another. But I share all of that because he says there's a prince of this world, Satan, wants to be destructive in our personal and corporate lives, both as a church, as individual families, and in our individual selves. But he says at the end of verse 30, Satan, he has no hold over me, Jesus says. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Here's the big thing I want you to remember if you everything else this weekend. If the Holy Spirit is weird the world could use a whole lot more of it. Amen. Because we are meant to be empowered by him to change this world, to look more like heaven is gonna be. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you for everybody who came out in a rain and a thunderstorm and walked through puddles to be in this space together. We pray for the children that are also meeting right now that you uh, empower the leaders in there to just teach your truth and impact lives and And then we acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit with us right now. Take my words away, Lord. Put yours in. May we hear from your scripture. Speak to us the truth and love. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I said I would define verse 16 in John 14. It used the word advocate there. We can put the verse up on the screen. That word advocate actually is parakletos in the Greek. You don't need to memorize all of this. But it could be defined in various ways, and we'll look at a couple of them later on. The counselor, an intercessor, consoler, advocate, comforter, helper. That you and I 
are not alone in this dark world. And if the world needs anything else, the hopelessness I see so often that causes us to live contrary to God's best in our life, I would encourage you that if you feel alone today, you are not alone. And yet too many Christians resist to put up boundaries to the Holy Spirit in their life. So I want to ask you the question, why are many living without the Holy Spirit today? Why are many of us living without the Holy Spirit today? You may have been a Christian a long time and not have it. Anybody been outdoors the last couple of weeks getting some landscaping, outdoor work done? Come on now. Uh, I'll tell you, my wife will be the first to tell you I am the least handy man this world has ever seen. It's just one of my spiritual gifts. I was just naturally gifted that way. But the only tool I know how to use is a spade like this. When I was 18 years old, I did landscaping for a summer. And I'm very handy with this thing, man. I can, I can cut those straight edges. I can pull up the weeds with it. I can dig a nice hole. I have even, I'm not joking, I have chopped down a full-size tree with a spade just like this, man. I'm not joking. It was awesome. I felt like such a man for the first time in my life with a tool. But I... Uh, I remember then uh, going at our old house, we, uh, there was a bush that really needed pulled out. Have you ever gone and tried to pull a bush that's been there a long time out from the front of your landscaping? Gosh, Satan invented like that opportunity, man. I went out there on a 90 degree day and for three hours I took the spade and I just chucked away at the roots. And in all fairness, it was a very strong bush. It was very strong. But I tried for three hours to cut that out and try to pull the bush out to no avail and the thing never moved. And then a friend from Mercy Road drove by in his truck, saw what I was doing, goes, what are, what are you doing? He backed his truck out. He had a wench, some of you see where this is going, on the back of his truck, which I didn't even know what that was. He pulls the wire off of it. He puts the hook around the, the roots of the bush. He pulls the bush out and in 30 seconds, that thing is completely gone. After three hours, he did in 30 seconds what I couldn't do in three hours of just grinding it out. I know what you're saying, Josh. You really aren't a man. <laughs> but I want to tell you that um, what I learned that I want to share with you about the Holy Spirit today is that there are a lot of us as Christians that we know Jesus, we have salvation, we want to serve him, and we're reading our Bibles, and we're just grinding it out, working for the Lord some of us are trying to overcome sin issues and like we've given in pray to lust and other stuff and we've gone, I'm going to set some boundaries. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to change this about myself. I've got this addictive habit. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to do all of this. Whatever it is right now in your life and we're going to grind it out and make it happen and that we miss out that if we allowed the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, sometimes he could do in 30 seconds what we couldn't do in 30 years. And I'm not telling you you don't have to set boundaries and work hard and overcome things. None of that is bad. But if you're not using the power that is at your fingertips, that Jesus teaches us in John 14 that he left for you to help you face the things that you're facing and the hardships of your life, you're not fully experiencing and utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives. Why are so many living without the Holy Spirit? I, it's not new either. It happens in the New Testament. 
I'll give you just a couple of reasons really quickly if you're taking notes. The, the first one is this, that some have not heard of the Holy Spirit. You may be here and, and grown up like I did, and you just thought that was weird, and you never really understood it, and you haven't read those 800 verses plus in the New Testament and Old Testament, and so you're going to begin to understand the Holy Spirit for the first time through this series. Don't miss it. Each week kind of builds on itself. But maybe that's you, just like in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. When Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So he gets to Ephesus, this really non-Christian, non-Jewish area. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So they were believers. They had received Jesus Christ as their Lord, have salvation, I believe, but they had not received the Holy Spirit because they just had never even heard of it. Maybe you're just unaware of it, and this could be the next four weeks together. This could be the moment where God speaks to you through Scripture about this. Or, number two, for many of us, even those of us who have been Christians, even those of us who understand the Holy Spirit still at times can resist the Holy Spirit. Some of us resist the Holy Spirit, and that's why we don't have him fully in our lives. You know, this isn't a new thing in the New Testament that often occurred. In fact, Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, he's addressing the Sanhedrin, which is like the ruling authority of the Jewish community of that day. And he has this really long speech, right before he's going to be stoned to death, by the way. And in verse 51 of Acts chapter 7, he says, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Maybe you haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe, for some of us, we actually resist the Holy Spirit. And I'm not like condemning you or judging you because of that. I'm a left-brainer who loved math and science growing up. I've always had difficulty with this side of following God in my life. But it's all over the Old and New Testament. And, you know, for some of us, you have maybe met somebody that has a lot of spiritual power or authority in your life. You've seen that they really have been with God. And you can recognize that the Holy Spirit is in their life, that they haven't been resisting it. I'll give you an example, man. I think it was Easter weekend. I'm not sure of this, but I think I'd preached like six times. And I got done, and I was walking right here, and I dropped a, a coffee mug, a ceramic one, and it just exploded everywhere. <laughs> Coffee's all over the place. And there was a, a young man named Corey who came down and saw what had happened. He went and got like a broom, and he got some napkins, and he helped clean the whole thing up before I even figured out what was happening. And I just met that guy again this last week and put it together that that was the first time I met him. And he was telling me about how he's been inviting young adults over to his house. He does construction for a living, but he's just been inviting young adults over to his house, passing out these little cards. And he spends his own money to buy food. And at the last time they did this last month, they had 65 young adults come out and he just shared his faith with them and they worshiped together. And it's this incredible work. And I go, man, there is somebody who's genuinely living unselfishly, serving others before himself, it is clear that the power of the Holy Spirit is leading, guiding, and counseling him in his life. It's clear. And I, I think for some of us as Christians, we can get in this kind of place of stagnation in our faith where we don't hear from him and we're not open to the Holy Spirit's moving and we resist him in our lives. Now look, sometimes we just go through what is often referred to as a dark night of the soul, where you're like praying to God and you're not hearing the responses and you're genuinely seeking him. And so if that's you, man, just know sometimes God's message is just to wait. But I find for many people, they find themselves in spiritual stagnation. Have, have you ever heard of the term 
doldrums before, like the doldrums of summer, the doldrums of winter, kind of the time where it just gets really boring or stale in your life. It's actually, it comes from a sailing term where in the ocean, there were a place, a place where the, the winds would just stop and there wouldn't be any wind from any direction to, to catch your sail and get you to your destination. And that some of us go through spiritual doldrums because the wind, the fresh air, the fresh wind of God, the Holy Spirit is not leading and guiding and counseling and moving us to our destination. We have resisted it, and so we become stagnant and jaded in our lives. I'm not telling you that's you, but I am telling you I see that happen very often because we create these boundaries. In fact, I'd encourage you, I'm just now reading this book. I haven't got through the whole thing yet, but I really enjoyed it so far. It's by a pastor named Chris Hodges called Fresh Air. If you find yourself in the doldrums, he uses that analogy in here. You can actually, I don't, we may have sold out of them, but you can purchase it at the Connect Center. It's whatever we paid for it. We're not looking to make any money, but maybe that would help you to get you out of the spiritual doldrums, break that stagnation. Maybe you need, or maybe you just need to sit down and Google the Holy Spirit and read some of those 800 verses about it and begin to study it for yourself. Or, or maybe, you know, this is really why we've done the Multiply Magazine and the Multiply Conference to be inspired, to bring a fresh air, fresh wind that the Holy Spirit could use this generation, both young and old, to make an impact to change the city and the state that would go much beyond just one local church. And the conference coming up this fall, you only have a couple weeks left for the early bird pricing, and it really will run out at June 30th. So you really, I want to encourage you, my goal is to see hundreds of people register by the end of June, because I believe that we will break some of the spiritual stagnation as we hear stories of people who are generally living out sacrificially, both uh, young and old, to change this world around us, and that it's not just professional Christians on a stage who are doing it, that we're going to multiply God's kingdom through new businesses, new nonprofits, and new churches, that he could bring fresh wind in this generation. If you put that slide back up for just a second, Chris, that actually, if you text that in, I forgot to say, you get 20% off and that free book called The Create. Oh, that's only good till the end of June. So maybe that one of those things is going to be your thing to bring fresh air, wind behind your back, invite the Holy Spirit to begin to break those stagnations spiritually you have experienced. You see, the reason that's so important is because when we have the Holy Spirit in our life, he will change things. He will change things. The Holy Spirit, and I took this from Craig Rochelle, a pastor in Oklahoma, will, number one, comfort you. That same verse in the King James Version, John 14, 16, that we read, it, it uh, translates advocate differently, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Again, it's paracletus, but it also means comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Abide with you forever. That maybe some of you are in the low part of this season. You need the Spirit of, groan, uh, the Spirit of God to groan for you, to allow him to be your comforter. Or maybe number two, the Holy Spirit will be your counselor, that he will counsel you. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you. Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That the Holy Spirit is meant to counsel you and guide and direct you. You remember the Proverbs verse, to make your paths straight. And if we are resisting the Holy Spirit in our life, we are missing out on the one who is meant to counsel us and guide our path. Now, I meet so many Christians that go, well, that's great, but I don't hear from the Holy Spirit in my life. That just doesn't happen to me. And I would like to argue that that's actually not true. 
my two best friends growing up were Catholics. I, I love uh, Catholics, and I, I don't like when people bash Catholics. Anybody grow up Catholic here? Or yeah, okay, a lot. I don't know why there's a lot of them here. And uh, one thing I love about my Catholic friends is you never have to teach them about guilt. Like, you guys, right? You guys got that part down, the whole guilt and confession thing. And there's something actually biblical about confessing our sins to one another. It's in the book of James. But the thing I love about that is we're not to live in guilt and shame all the time. We have the good news of Jesus so we can have freedom and be changed and transformed by that. However, guilt is something that I believe is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, counseling you, that this thing in your life is not good for you and it's not good for the people in your life. So when you go through this lust-filled thing in your dating life or online, whatever, and you feel this like kind of guilt or shame about it, we're not meant to sit in that. We're meant to respond to that, receive the grace of Jesus and to go, I want to change in this area. Same with addictive habits, same with any sin temptation that we have in our lives, whether that be greed or pride or gossiping or slandering or whatever else it is. And say, God, I receive your grace. Now I want to be transformed by your truth. And so when you do that, it's important for you to understand the Spirit of God is counseling you in that area and wants you to change. That's why in 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. If you are trying to break your lustful habits in your life with your own volition, getting your spade out and putting your gloves on and working hard for hours upon end, I'm going to fix it. I want to tell you you are missing out on the power and the self-discipline that only the Holy Spirit of God can bring in your life. That's how important it is. It's how we get through life. It's how we face things. And, and it even doesn't just comfort or counsel us. It can convict you and I. It can convict us. It says in John 16, 8, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. It's what brings conviction in our lives. You go, man, I could change and God could use me more if I just surrendered this thing. It's going to take humility. And then it's going to take hard works and boundaries. Yes, absolutely. But the Spirit of God can transform my life. I, we started with this, we'll end with this, and I'll share a couple of stories. If the Holy Spirit is weird, we need a lot more of it in this world because it's what it comforts, counsels, and convicts us to transform our lives to look more like Jesus desires us to be. See, we wouldn't all be sitting here today if the Holy Spirit wasn't real and still living and active. I know this because uh, you've heard the story before my wife and I were living in Southern California with our first son when I was in a moment of prayer and believed God was telling me to move to Indiana, start a church, and three friends of mine from high school were going to help us. It sounded crazy. I was embarrassed to tell people at first. I'm a left-brainer, math and science person. I didn't like it. And yet I can tell you this. I sent an email to 40 people. The only three people that responded that they would help us start a church if we moved to Indiana were three friends of mine from high school. One who was not a Christian. His name is Kyle Smith. He might be here this weekend. He actually came to Christ within the first year or two. And then last summer, he and his wife, Christina, underneath this camping set is actually a baptism tank. And we got to baptize them the day before their wedding right there in that tank. 
The other guy, Brian Cook, one of my best friends growing up, he's going through a hard time. He moved here. Met, they, they met his wife, and they had their first uh, two daughters together, cute little girls. And this God has been using them, and the life of this church has been transforming their life as well. So don't tell me that God only worked 2,000 years ago because he told a guy that thinks that kind of stuff is weird that's a left-brainer math and science person that moved to Indiana and started a church with three friends from high school up, and all of those things happened. And he used every moment of it. And people talk about, well, how do we see what happened in Mercy Road happen in, in our church? And I, there's no secret solution. I am a strategic person by nature. My number one strength on Strength Finders 2.0 was strategic. And everything's good and strategic we ever tried never really made that big of an impact. And the best things that ever happened in our church was when the Holy Spirit just showed up. And we have to start seeing the world differently. And you may call me a fatalist, but when I met that young man, Corey, cleaned up my coffee, and then I met him this week, I don't think it was happenstance that we came together. I think the Lord, the Holy Spirit of God is going before and connecting us for a reason. How many of you know Dave and Mary Gothy in our church? They lead the significant marriage ministry. They do it all over the world, and this is kind of home base for them. They have helped save many marriages in our church family. How they got connected here and led that ministry here was three years ago. I was in a coffee shop with another pastor, and Mary Gothy overheard me talking about God to this pastor. She came over, talked to us, told us about the significant marriage ministry, and it would have been really easy to just go, oh, I don't know you. This is weird. I don't want to talk to you anymore about this. But instead, we said, you know what? This is hard for me, but maybe the Spirit of God is going before us and connecting us for a reason and now because the Spirit really does move and work today, they have saved all kinds of marriages in our church. You see, we got to stop putting boundaries up and resisting the Holy Spirit on this side. And maybe that's you and you know Jesus and you have salvation, but you, you're afraid. You don't know how to welcome the Holy Spirit in because it felt weird and strange to you. And maybe you need some more of that in your life. And on the other hand, we got the other side. And let's be honest about the other side. I think some people have hijacked the Holy Spirit for their own personal gain. That for some, it's like if there isn't some crazy experience and gold dust is falling from the rafters, and God can do anything. I'm not saying God can't do anything. But if something like that doesn't happen, then God's not really there. And we got pastors on TV, I don't know if you saw this the last few weeks, saying God told him he needs to go buy a $54 million private jet because his old jet it took two stops and he needs to get down to one stop. And the other pastor next to him on TV, you can look at this for yourself, is telling him, oh, you don't want to ride coach because the demon's riding coach. <laughs> I just want to say, I don't know that it's the demons on the airplane. I think something is chatting in your mind that you are getting lustful with the eyes of the, the flesh and the, the lust and the pride of life. And you need to say, no, I'm not going to re resist the hijacking of the authority of the Holy Spirit that really does authentically work today. And I'm going to stop resisting his power and authority in my life. And I'm going to open myself up to him. You see, I believe when we do that, the Holy Spirit speaks to us every day. And if we just allowed him to use our lives and you go, yeah, but Josh, I read the Old Testament. I don't see the sun standing still in the Red Sea part and, and all this other stuff. And I want to tell you, you're looking at over thousands and thousands of years of human history and you're comparing it to your one individual life and what happened to you in the last week. The Holy Spirit is still doing things all over the globe. 
And I have seen and I have witnessed that God is still on the move, calling people, changing lives, transforming us. And that if you're not open to the Holy Spirit, according to John 14, 15 to 31, then you are disobedient to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Because it was him that told the disciples, this is the one thing you need in your life to live in this horrible dark time where the prince of this world is at hand. And so we're going to close the service a little different. As we sing a couple more songs together, we're going to invite God to really set us afire in our soul to transform this world around us, to be empowered by the unstoppable God that could use you and me to live differently. But it all starts with being open to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to invite you to stand up. We're not going to do anything weird. This is just biblical. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. And, and maybe that's new for you. Maybe you've been a Christian for decades. You have salvation, but you've never really been led by the Spirit. Or maybe for others of you, this is kind of your first step of saying, I want to get to know you, Jesus. And so I'm going to submit to hearing from your Holy Spirit. I invite whatever place you're at to pray this with me. Let's close our eyes and just bow our heads for just a moment. And God, we just again acknowledge that no one in here is perfect. We all sin and fall short of your glory. Some of us probably even need to repent of some things in our lives right now to turn to you in humility. Probably all do. And we acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit that I got to thank God you have been ministering to us long before we walked into this room, drawing us closer to you, desiring us to be fully known by you, to surrender everything in our lives to you, not just some things. And so I'm gonna invite everybody here that if you wanna open yourself up to the Holy Spirit in your life these next four weeks, just pray this with me. God, right now, I open my life up to you fully and may your Holy Spirit minister to me and use me to make an impact in this dark world. May I hear from you over the next four weeks together. God, we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, Amen. Amen.